Praise God. We'd like to welcome everyone today. If you're a guest with us, we're so glad you're here worshiping with us today. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We welcome you today. The Lord bless you and thank you for being here. One thing I forgot to mention that will become a reality for us, we do have to break down after service today. We have been used to um, not having to do that on Sunday mornings, but because of the fact we will not be in this facility tonight, um, we, um, we are uh, uh, having to break down today. One other thing I want to mention that you can keep, keep in prayer, we have, and I'll give you the, a little, enough, a little detail, I can't give you everything quite yet, but we have put an offer in for leasing our own Antioch West facility training center for the midweek stuff. We'll still meet here and worship, but we put an offer in for a facility that will give us offices and training center and all kinds of awesome stuff that will be our own that we will not have to check across the other side of the county for the things that we do. So put that offer in on Friday, sign the paperwork. We're waiting to hear back from the lease holder to determine if they're going to let us. What exciting, exciting things that God is beginning to open up the door. Timing God is everything. It's amazing. It's amazing. I've often wondered what it felt like for the children of Israel that walk around for 40 years in a circle. And one day Joshua says, okay, we're going. Going where? We're going over there. Wait a minute. We've been passing this for 40 years. Today's the day. So it feels a little bit like that, and at least for me it does. We've been circling around here for a while, and now God says, okay, here's the timing. So God is awesome. Amen. If you've got a Bible and you go with me, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Amen. I apologize. It is a little, at least to me, a little warm, and Katie as well. She's back there. Is it? I feel you. We're working together on that. Uh, it's a little warm in here, but we do not have control. Neither does the facility actually have control over the temperature. It's controlled by the school board. So apparently they see the calendar and they don't read the temperature. So it is fall in calendar, but summer in temperature. First Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to read one verse together, and that is verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Everybody say spiritually discerned. I want to talk to you for a few moments today about what do you see? What do you see? The Lord bless you. You can be seated. It is amazing to me how much perspective shapes our world. How we perceive things. You can have two people stand before a piece of art and someone like me says, what's the fuss? It's just a bunch of squiggly lines, and it looks like a five-year-old did it. And someone looks at that, and they can tell you all the nuances and the feelings and the emotions that are attached to a piece of artwork that basically looks like a five-year-old with a box of Crayolas had a field day. 
Perspective creates that, and, and, and we've had that question. Maybe someone's asked you that question. Are you glass half full or are you glass half empty type person? And, and, and perspective often determines the basis of which we determine positive or negative or possibilities or problems, opportunities or obstacles, dreams or difficulties, seeing the best in people, seeing the worst in people, move forward, moving backwards, determined a lot by our perspective. I, I read this, this was several years ago I came across this. In fact, I think I've used it uh, before in a, in, a, in, a, in a message I preached years ago, so some of you may remember this. But I, I ran across one of, the, one of the email circulations that got put it on, and, and I'm on several email chains where people are very kind and they just forward stuff daily. And one of these things that had this, and I always like to save things like this and use them down the road. And, and, and this talked about how our perspective progresses with age. And it's basically perceptions and then the age at which those perceptions are and, and the age at which that person is. And so let me give you several of them. It says, you can't hide a piece of broccoli in a glass of milk. Age seven. I like my teacher because she cries when we sing Silent Night. Again, age seven. When I wave at people in the country, they stop what they were doing and they wave back. Age nine. When I get in my room, when I get in the room the way I like it, my mom makes me clean it up. Age 13. Though it's hard to admit, I'm secretly glad my parents were strict with me. Age 15. Silent company is often more healing than words of advice, age 24. Brushing my child's hair is one of life's great pleasures, age 29. Wherever I go, the world's worst drivers have followed me there, age 29. If someone says something unkind about me, I must live so that no one will believe it, age 39. Children and grandparents are natural allies, age 46. The greater a person's sense of guilt, the greater his need to cast blame on others, age 46. Singing Amazing Grace can lift my spirits for hours, age 49. Regardless of your relationship with your parents, you miss them after they're gone, age 53. Life sometimes give you, gives you a second chance, age 62. Whenever I, whenever I decide something with kindness, I usually made the right decision, age 66. Even though I have pains, I don't have to be one, age 82. <laughs> I've learned that I still have a lot to learn, age 92. If we go into scripture, we will find... This reality rings true in many different places. That the perception of how we see things determines to a great extent how we walk with God, how we view others, and ultimately how we view ourselves. Why is that important? Well, that's a major important, because if you go back to the commandments that Jesus gave, not the Ten Commandments, but the commandments in the Gospel, here, Israel, the Lord our God is one. 
Thou shalt love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second one is love your neighbor as yourself. That is a, 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 a sentence that requires a little bit of study to understand the depth of that phrase. Love your neighbor as yourself. Because later on, Scripture tells us the definition and how that works. Because the Bible says, how can you love God, who you haven't seen, if you can't love your neighbor, who you have seen? So, my love for God is dependent upon my love for my neighbor, but then the Bible says in the second commandment, I can't love my neighbor to the truest extent if I can't love myself. And so my perspective of God, my perspective of others, but ultimately my perspective of myself determines everything when it comes to my walk with God. It doesn't matter how different you may see things if my perception tells me this is the way, that, the way it is. There's no way in the world I, you can convince me differently until my perspective changes. I'll give you one, and we got, this is not, wasn't on, 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 the, on the list of the ones I want to point out today, but it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful, uh, 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 a, a really important one, and that's this, the, the, the uh, parable of the, of the talents. I don't have time to go and explain it all, but basically God gave a talent, one talent, uh, two talents, and five talents, and it was a, the master gave one talent, two talents, five talents. Goes on a trip, comes back, yada, 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 make a long story short. The guy with five made ten, the guy with two made four, but the guy with one buried it in the sand. Didn't do anything with it. And his response back to the master was, I knew you were a hard man. His perspective and how he viewed the master ultimately affected how he dealt with what he was given. Children of Israel came out of Egypt and they stood at the edge of the promised land, a land that God had ultimately given to them and a promise as they left Egypt. He had promised this land to them and they stood there and, and, and Moses gathered together uh, 12 spies and sent them over to scout the land. And when they came back to give their report, two of them said, we can do it. Joshua and Caleb said, we can go and we can do this and, and we can take it. But 10 others said, we can't. Why? Because there's giants in the land, and we are but grasshoppers. Now, the Bible doesn't say this, and it doesn't really have to say it for us to figure out. Do you think they stopped those people and said, excuse me, I need to ask you a question. Um, we're, we're across the, the river over there. We've got an army, people, and the Lord's actually promised that we're going to come defeat you. Uh, but i got to ask you a question. When you see me, what do you see? Well, I see grasshopper. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm going to go back and tell them that. They didn't say that to them. That was how they perceived it. And because of their perception, that then determined whether or not they were willing to go forward based on that. We all know they weren't grasshoppers. We all know. How can two guys say, woo, we can do it? Ten say we're grasshoppers. Perspective how they view it. 
Let's go a little farther to a, another example. This comes from the Gospels in uh, Mark chapter 8. And, and this comes from the Gospel uh, uh, story of the blind man that, uh, that Jesus ministered to. They brought to Jesus in chapter 8 of Mark. And they brought him, uh, they, they brought him to Jesus. And, and Jesus begins to, uh, uh, um, to minister to him. And I find it to be quite interesting. There's several things in that scripture I'd like to point out that sort of gets lost. In fact, you know what? I'm going to read it to you just to give some context, if you would allow me to, this morning. And that is Mark chapter 8. Let's go to verse 22. Then, then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him. Everybody say begged. Begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town and he spit on his eyes and put his hands on him. He asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up and he was restored and saw everyone, what's that next word? Clearly. There's a quite an interesting dynamic there in that story that I'd like to point out that illustrates to, a, to the fullness of degree what, what, what I feel like the Lord wants to help someone with today. There are several things in that. First of all, one of the things that really jumps out that sort of gets overlooked, go back to verse number 22 if you would. There's a phrase in verse number 22. I read out of the New King James. It's the King James. should be the same, close to the same thing. Yeah, here we go. And they besought... Or they, they, they begged him to touch him. Meaning they were asking God, touch him. This man is in need, touch him. And I can just see the anticipation. If you go to verse 23, something unique happens in the next verse. And he took the blind man by the hand. I can see this sort of anticipation. They bring this blind man and they're asking, hey, you know Jesus, I know you can heal. Touch this guy. Touch this guy. And Jesus reaches out to touch them and it's almost like this collective guy. Oh, here he goes. Here it's about to happen. Watch. Hey, psst, pay attention. Jesus reaches out to take him. Then he takes him by the hand and leads him away. Whoa. Wait a minute. That happened actually in another passage of scripture. I believe it was Mark 7. They brought a a man to Jesus that was deaf and dumb, and Jesus took him by the hand and led him to the side. Same thing about here. Jesus took him by the hand, led him. What is that important to me? Why is that, how is that to relate to me, preacher, 2,000 years later? I'll tell you how it relates. It's because Jesus wants to have a one-on-one -on -one experience with you today. He's not interested in you just being touched because you're in a group of people today and everyone's being touched. But if he has to, he'll get right down and it'll just be you and him, nobody else. I often say this, picture the room empty. It's just you and him. His presence would be in this room if it was just you and me or if there's a thousand because that's how much you matter. And they took him aside, and I find it to be interesting, and there's so many things that's kind of crazy about this and not get sidetracked on this. He spit in his eyes. Uh, still, it just, it, just, it just scratches your head, all the connotations that that, uh, that that brings up. I don't care if it was Jesus or not. 
holy spit or not. That's just... And he put his hands on him, and he asked him what he saw. And the guy then says, I see, but I see men walking as trees. Now I come to find this quite interesting. We don't know. There's some speculation, but we really don't know. We don't know if this man was born blind or if he was or if he was blind somewhere along in his birth. I find it curious to the fact that he said trees, because if he was blind, how did he know what a tree looked like? If you had been blind all your life and you opened your eyes and said, what color is that? You wouldn't know what color that was. You've been blind. So I find it to be curious why he used the description as trees. My, 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 there's two ways you can go with that. There can be a way that you go to the fact that maybe at one time he wasn't blind and now he can see, and, but he still wasn't the perception of that, still was kind of cloudy in there and, and there was some, some fuzziness in his, his ability to describe what he was seeing. Or maybe someone had described to him what a tree looked like. Maybe someone sat down with him and said, and, and maybe he was outside playing as a young child and heard the rustling of the, of, the, of the wind and the leaves. And he asked his mom or dad, what's that noise? And they said, it's a tree, son. What's a tree? Well, you know, how do you describe a tree to someone who's never seen a tree? Maybe they took him over there and they let him feel the bark. Maybe they let him feel the, the leaves. Maybe he let him feel the shape. I don't know. But somewhere in his mind, whether it was a whether it's something that he knew from memory or maybe it was something that, that, he had, that he had garnered in his own ability to imagine, he sort of thought he knew what a tree looked like. And when Jesus asked him, what do you see? He said, I see men as trees. Well, guess what? The miracle was he could see. I don't care if he could tell men are trees or not. He knew it, there were people he could see. Woo, that's awesome. But Jesus then reached back to him, touched his eyes, and he became clear. Can I say this to, to you today? Is that the first miracle was a miracle of sight, but the second miracle was a miracle of perspective. Because we can take that same thing to you and I and those of you and who we were saved, we become saved, we were baptized in the name, filled with the Spirit, we go through that same process. Because when we're baptized into Christ and we are, we are put on Christ, we come out, we see things. We're, we're, our eyes are open to a whole new world. But that doesn't mean our perception is correct. And if we're not careful and we allow ourselves, Jesus could have said, you know what, great, go ahead. You can see. Tree or not tree, you can see. But Jesus was not just concerned about what he saw. He was also concerned about how he perceived what he saw. Because his perception would determine his reality. I say it like this, and I've used this many times, that perception determines reality but reality does not equal truth. I'll say that again. My perception determines my reality, but my reality doesn't equal truth. Because truth can be one thing, but the reality of that 
can be something totally different. And that can be based off how I perceive the situation. For instance, I'll give you one. You're kind of like, I don't understand what you're saying. Let me, let me give that. I walk into church. Sister Breck's there. She's sitting here today. Maybe on the way to church, someone cut her off in traffic. She comes to church. Not her normal smiling self. It was a rough day to church today. She walks in. And she's trying to deprogram herself, cleanse her of wanting to just take that guy and run him off the road. She comes into church, and I'm there, you know, I'm a little shaky. I'm a, I got a little bit of, I've got some, some, my own insecurities and things. And she comes in, and I'm walking in there, and she walks by me. She doesn't say a thing. My perception says, see, she doesn't like me. I knew it. She doesn't like me. Did you see the way she looked at me? She couldn't even look at me. She wouldn't even shake my hand. And my perception says she doesn't like me. So guess what? Next time I go around her, I'm going to go this way because my reality is now I don't want to be around her. She doesn't like me. The truth is she loves me, right? Okay, good. She loves me. She thinks I'm awesome. She just needed a moment. But because of how I perceive myself, I'm going to read everything and everything around me based off how I perceive myself. So any tiny little thing that I get to, oh, I'm stepping into something right now, I feel it. Every little thing that I get, I'm going to do it based off my perception. So you know what? That's why some people jump from a fence to a fence. <laughs> Why? Because their perception of themselves and they filter everything around them. My God, if you look at them the wrong way. It's amazing to me. If you ever do this, if you ever, if you ever, ever become a preacher and you have to preach, no. This comes to the territory. I'm going to preach a message. He's going to get blessed and she's going to get offended. It's the same message. And if I go, oh my God, I don't know what to, you know. Perception. Perception. And if I don't help, let the Lord help me, then I walk by Sister Breck and she just looks at me because she's having a bad morning and she just not, she's not in her chipper mood and she walks by and I'm like, I knew it, see, I got it. She didn't like me. I knew it. Nobody likes me. It's an emergency alert system. What happened? Can we find out what's happening? We might have to all run. Dear Jesus, someone please tell me. Is it a bomb? Active shooter. I have no idea. What is it? Is it good? Amber alert. Good. Got it. All right. Praise God. Dear Jesus. If you're in, if you're in Crofton Middle, take shelter right now. So if I don't let the Lord help me with my perspective and how I see things, I'm going to continue to walk a road where everything around me is filtered between every time I do something, every time I go through a trial, my perspective, God's mad at me. God doesn't love me. Because look at me. If he loved me, I would be going through this. And I'm going through these issues. And I'm dealing with that. Why? Because my perspective... 
Sure, can I see things? Yes, but what I'm seeing is not reality. And the Bible says in the verse we read in the beginning is, through the natural mind, you see something different. And, but the things in the spirit, to the natural mind, they're crazy. They're foolishness. I've often said this. Let's think about it. We, we, it's so normal to us, okay? But just stop for a moment. And some of you have been in church for only a little bit. Others, you've been in church for years, and you've forgotten this. But let's, let's just break it down for a moment and think how crazy this is. I'm standing in a room with other human beings with my eyes closed, my hands lifted, opening my mouth and talking to someone I cannot see. In a language I have never spoken before that I receive somehow through the imparting of this spirit that I have never seen. I am following a book written 2,000 years ago that I never met the author of. I went down in some water that some guy or some woman said Jesus' name, and apparently that took away all my sins. No idea how that happens. This is crazy. But the reality is to the natural mind, it is nuts. But that's why the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight, because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. If I'm truly walking with him, I'm going to see things differently than you see them. And you'll look at me and go, you're crazy, you're nutty, but that's okay because I'm not seeing what you're seeing. And when I let God begin to change my perspective of who I am and I see things differently, it doesn't mean that I somehow become a different person, but I begin to see what he sees about me and I begin to know who I am based off what he's determined me to be. And when I do that, it begins to shape my whole world. I'm not just a victim of my circumstance. I'm not just who I am because that's what my mom or my dad was. And so therefore, by default, that's who I'm going to be. I'm not this or I'm not that. And I don't filter the world around by everybody's out to get me. Can I just tell you, there's no secret club that meets that comes up with ideas how not to like you. Well, I don't think that person likes me. I don't think that person likes me. You're right. I forgot there was a meeting. They all got together and they determined we're not going to like you. But perception tells you that. You see, I don't know how in the world that was the case, um, how that worked years ago. But I think in the world today, we know how this works better than anybody that's ever lived because we live in a world that this is such a, such a real deal. You can get one of these. I got this off Amazon. It looks fancy, but I got this off Amazon for 20 bucks. Prime delivery to my house in two days. You know what this thing is? In case you don't want to know, you don't know what it is. You take your phone and you put it in here. Is my phone up there? There it goes. Watch this. This is amazing. You take your phone. Someone needs to go find that person, whatever the, goodness gracious. You take your phone, and I'm going to turn this little thing on. I'm going to take this and put this in here. And basically, 
I'm standing in Crofton Middle School, but according to this, let me get the ride started. Uh, I got a, there we go. Okay. Here we go. Now, I am on a ride that has taken me around and around and around and around. And I am oh, Jesus. Whew. Hallelujah. I did that the other night with my kids, and I did this airplane game. And I'm pretty good with this stuff, but whoo, I got a little woozy quick. Because you know what's amazing? Even though I was where I, where I was, my eyes were telling me my reality was different than where I was. And because of my eyes telling me something different, it began to affect the way I felt. I never got in an airplane. But when I put this thing on, I think I did the Blue Angels. And I'm in the Blue Angels, and I'm strapped in my cockpit. And there I went. And I'm looking around, and I'm looking outside, and I'm looking up, and I'm... I mean, I'm, this was a, but a couple of times we decided to do a little loop-de-loop. And I'm, 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 it was starting to, the world was starting to get squirrely fast. Why? Because what I was seeing was starting to affect everything in my world. I took it off. It was okay. I got it. But you know what? I can put this on now. And whatever I'm seeing, I'm going to start reacting to it. There's games you can play now where you can do stuff. There's stuff now where you can play these games and you look down at yourself and you're wearing like armor and suits and you can see your hands. It's amazing what you can do with stuff. And you're like this and, and, and let's be honest, you walk in the room and I'm doing this. You look like, what an idiot. It doesn't matter to you. All I know is I'm reacting based on what I'm seeing. You low, that guy's crazy. I'm over there going, whoo, man, this is, whoo. And you're like, that looks the dumbest thing because that's what you see, but I'm basing my reaction off of what I see. And if I can change my perception, it will begin to affect how I react. It will begin to affect how I walk. It will begin to affect how I believe. Because you know what? This is faith right here. Because right here, I see what my natural mind can comprehend. But as silly as this is, when I let the Spirit of God work through me, God says, okay, here's what we're going to do. Let me just put some VR technology on you. And all of a sudden, my faith goes, man, this is absolutely amazing. Do you see what I see? You don't know. I don't see it. No, you're not getting it. I can see because my faith can begin to create something that's not even there because I'm beginning to see it. And then I'm going to start to react. It's amazing now. They're taking this technology and they're starting to use it with soldiers. And soldiers can go into real combat situations with this technology and they can begin to learn how to think and how to react in real combat situations even though they're sitting in a chair or maybe they're standing in a room. But because of the technology, they can perceive in their mind the same situation. You can get a pilot certification to fly an airplane with one of these. Not quite this cheesy, but the higher-end ones. 
even flying a real airplane, but because you're in a situation where everything surrounds you mimics the real deal, you can actually learn how to fly and never get in an actual airplane. And they test and train. And nowadays, I mean, come on, let's be honest, drone pilots sit in a room Sometimes hundreds are not longer away controlling an actual aircraft all through the ability of what they see. So I question you today, what do you see? What do you see in yourself? What do you see when you look around in this room? Well, I see the fact, well, I don't like that person. Oh, they're not kind to me. I don't like... That's what you see? What do you see? And the things in you right now that are causing you to have the greatest amount of angst, frustration, and even maybe dealing with some some deeper issues in your life, unforgiveness, whatever that might be, what are they based in? Sometimes they can be based in fact. Sometimes they can be based on what was actually factually done. Sometimes they can be based in just a reality and a perspective that I've created that may not be truth, but to me, it was real. Bishop Wright said for years, feelings don't have to be true to be real. How I feel doesn't have to be true for it to be the way I am. And you know what? It doesn't matter today how much we share the light, the, the, the picture of God's word. If your perspective remains the same, you can't see it. Because to some, the word of God is just a rule book to tell me how to live my life Tell me what I can do and can't, and what I can and can't do. But to others, that book is life, joy, peace. Because of perspective. It comes down to the fact that in God, his desire is for each and every one of us to see through his eyes. To see our surroundings, but more importantly, I know this always comes back to this, and some of you already can feel it. Here we go again. Well, you know what? You're right. Here we go again. Ultimately, how we see ourselves. How we see ourselves. Because my my experiences begin to shape my perspective. I mean, I've, I've used this many, many times, and I've used it for some of you and talking with you and trying to help you. I've used this illustration. But if Chris here, for whatever reason, hurts my arm, maybe he knows some kind of special... Kung Fu move messes my arm up. Now my arm is messed up. You know what? 
Now my arm's going to hurt. It's going to be, it's, it's, it's a problem now. And because of that pain, because of what I'm going through, it's going to force me to adjust the way I live my life. Have you ever had an injury? It's forced you to change certain things, even normal routine. I'm right-handed. If I had an injury to my right arm where he hurt me and I have to start to eat and, and brush my teeth and even write with my left hand, it's going to totally wreck my world. And here's the thing. When you have an injury, it's a natural instinct to protect that which is injured. So when I go around people, my natural tendency is, is I'm going to try to put safety between me and what hurts. Because I don't want to, I, look, hurt me once, shame on you. Hurt me twice, shame on me. You ain't doing it again. So you know what? Everybody is, I'm going to protect myself. Come along, heal, that's awesome. Because hurt, I, you, you know what? And so it's going to affect my relationship. But let's be honest. If I walk to Brother Mallory and the first thing I do is turn myself to him, that's going to affect how he's going to be like, that guy doesn't like me. He can't even stand. Why? Because in reality, I'm just trying to hurt, protect. You ever walked up to somebody? Boy, I'm in it now. You ever walked up to somebody and just within a few minutes, you're like, whoa, back off, man. Calm down. Because in the moment, they're just kind of like, you're trying to be nice. Hey, how you doing? And they're just like, <laughs> and you're like, my God, I'm just, I was just asking, how you doing? You're like, Sheesh, woo, yowza. You know what they're doing? They're doing this. Because they're like, you know what? Don't, I don't care what you're, you know what the problem is? John may come along. Now, John wasn't like Chris. He doesn't know Kung Fu. He didn't, he didn't mess my arm up. John comes along. Here, John, come along. John comes along, and guess what? John is a loving guy, great guy. This is a really nice guy. Not just an illustration. In reality, he's a great guy. But John's coming along, and John's going to want to, he, 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 he sees me. John sees, you know what? I'd like to just reach out and, and connect with Joel, or maybe he can tell that I'm hurting. So John comes along, and John, reach, reach out, John. And he reaches out. But because I perceive anything coming at me as a threat, I turn away. And so then John feels like I'm rejecting him. I feel like John's a threat. And now we have this massive thing when in reality he just wanted to shake my hand. But because of my perception and my hurt, now I've got an issue. Thank you. So here's the problem. Chris, you come. Give him hope. Here's the problem, though, right? So we have that issue. That's the issue. And that becomes a reality. And after a while, when you do things long enough, they become habit. It's just the way you do it, right? It's just you don't even think about it. Now I just do it. Now everything I do, I know how to protect myself. I know how to live. I know how to let people close to me. I know how to do that because my entire world is built upon protecting that. But guess what? He's a loving God. God is so good. And we're, I come to church one day, and the presence of God begins to filter this place, and God's love just shat, comes down and rains in this place, and this little tender voice in me goes, I want to heal your arm today. And I say, today? And that voice says, yes. And I come down, and I, I just come down, and God begins to touch that, and the pain goes away, and I can be healed. That's awesome. 
But the problem is I've lived so long under one perception. Even though I'm healed, my perception still has to change. Because even though I'm now walking pain-free, I've adapted to my lifestyle so much that I'm still doing the same things with everybody else. I'm still protecting that, even though there's no more pain. Because now, that's the way it has made me. And that's my reality. And that's why sometimes God can really touch us and heal us. But we're like, wait a minute, I don't see the big deal. What's the deal? I, you know, I don't understand why I don't see the effects of that. It's because, yes, God's taking away the pain, but you need now to let him reshape your reality. Because now you can begin to see. You know what? I want to be healed. I want that to be healed. But more importantly, I want to be free. To be healed is awesome. But what good is it if I live with no pain, but I'm still bound by the lifestyle that the pain caused? Well, we've changed direction here today. It's okay. So now I have no pain, but I'm still under the chains of the lifestyle that the pain had caused. And because of that, I don't have the joy and the peace and the happiness that God brings. Why? Because of what I see. But if I would begin to let God begin to show me what he sees. He told a story last year. We did um, um, we did that Sunday morning series people's testimonies. Brother John Weitzel here told his testimony. John, I can't tell you how many times you've probably been prayed for in your 20 plus years, 30 plus years of coming to church. I can't, I, I, I don't know if I could even count and even try to remember. You might not even remember how many times you've been prayed, you were prayed for. No idea. But on that Sunday, and I, I think you could argue to a great degree that in that journey there was some healing that took place along the way, but you never saw the effect of that. But I remember, I'll never forget that Sunday. I'll never forget it. it sticks out in my mind. And I'm not saying that to be bishopy. It just, it just, I can see it. You walk down that center aisle there. Brother Morgan was preaching. He came right down that center aisle. When you walked up to that, to that front, God said, now's the day. And the, the, the change that took place, how you saw yourself, the life-changing miracle that he testified about that was amazing. Do, do I want God to heal me? Yes, I want him to heal me. I do, I do. But you know what? I want to see what he sees. I don't want to keep living bound by the perceptions of my past. I don't want to be bound by the perceptions of what things used to be. 
but I want him to change me. I want him to change me. I want to see what he sees. I want to see it. Because you know what? I believe today there are a lot of you that are, that God has healed you tremendously. Fully healed? I don't know. Only God knows. I don't know if we even know. But God has healed? Yes, he has brought healing. But you're not seeing the effects of that because you haven't let God begin to change the way you see and perceive yourself. I feel like today, I don't know who it is today. I feel, I feel some things pinging in me. I know, I'm, I know there's some people in today that God's talking to, but I don't know who, who it all is, but I know someday, somebody today, if you'd, let, if you'd let the Spirit of the Lord reach down, touch you. Let him begin to show you, see you, change you. You may not go home today and look at you and your eyes and the crow's feet disappear. Wrinkles begin to go away naturally. You'll still be the same naturally, but spiritually. Spiritually. We're not talking about necessarily a natural reaction, but we're a spiritual thing. The Bible says the things of the spirit to the natural mind are foolish. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost in here. I know, I, know we're all, I know I'm close to time, but I feel the Holy Ghost so strongly in here. It's, it's such a love. The love of Jesus Christ is so strong in here right now. I, I got I to gotta obey the Lord. Ling, would you, would you come here? It's, it's, it's on you. Strong. We've had moments and moments and moments along the way where God has just peeled back layer and layer and helped moment by moment. But I feel today that God wants to do a, a whole nother layer, a whole nother moment in you because it, you've been searching and God's been doing it step by step. Brother, Sister Jetty, would you come? Where's Sister Jetty go? Sister Jetty, would you come? I believe God today wants to do something again in a greater way. I don't want to put a definition on it because that's not for me to define. That's between you and the Lord. But I feel like today God wants to do something. Just lift your hands. In the name of Jesus. 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 Come on, if you're in this place today and you say, Lord, I need you to touch me. I need you to change it. I want you to stand right where you are and lift your hands to heaven. You don't have to come out of your seat. Just stand where you are and lift your hands right now. In the name of Jesus. Open our eyes today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I bind the wounds and the pains of the past. But today, God, I speak vision and sight to be upon these people. Come on, in Jesus' name. That's it. Just lift your hands right now. Can I get some brothers and sisters? You're standing around. Maybe you're not praying for yourself, but there's people here today that God wants to touch. There's people here today that God wants to minister to. Would you be led of the Holy Ghost right now in the name of Jesus? In the name of Jesus. Come on, be led of the Lord right now. Oh, open our eyes today. 
Open our eyes today we may see. Open our eyes today that we may see. Oh. Come on. I want to see Jesus differently. I want to see myself differently. I want to see my brother and my sister differently. God, change me today. Change me today. I want to see. I want to see. I don't want to see. God, I you see broken. I see broken. You see healed. I see shattered and torn. But you see whole. God, I see the stains of my past. But you see red blood. You see red and you see white. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus.